0: Welcome to Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer, and I've worked in the animal health industry. And prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. So yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician as they share their own directions, their interesting career decisions, what's worked, what hasn't, and how they've made it all fit. Thank you for joining me today as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support the profession we love. Today, we get to chat with Dr. Kate Harnish, who is a small animal veterinarian and practice owner of Anthracite Animal Clinic in Ashland, Pennsylvania. She's also a member of the American Animal Hospital Association, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and serves as the current president-elect of the Pennsylvania Veterinary
1: Medical Association. Thanks for coming on the show, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor for me to be here and share my story with you guys.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I did a lot of research on you, and I understand that you actually inherited your practice in
1: 2008. How did that come about? So as um, my very first job that I took was in the local pet store, Um, I was in high school at the time, and the veterinarian at the pet store kind of took me under her wing there and Um, Asked if I would maybe shadow her and, and see what veterinary medicine was all about. And I did that. And she, of course, talked me into the veterinary profession and was a very, very good mentor. Through veterinary school, she was very supportive. I had continued to work with her. And in 2008, she unexpectedly passed away. And I came home to an empty practice. Um, And it was a very bittersweet moment because, of course, owning a practice was something maybe in my mind, maybe not in the future. But coming home to do veterinary medicine without her, you know, was very bitter to me. So she had left me big shoes to fill. And that is how I live each and every day is to make her proud and fill her legacy. That must have been devastating. My goodness. Yeah, it, it was. Oh,
0: so... That was a long time ago, and let's go happy first, and let's, let's talk about what are some of the benefits of
1: owning a practice. The benefits truly of owning a practice are certainly making your own schedule. You are the sole schedule maker. So you you make that up. Of course, you still have to be productive. Over the years, I found that my favorite thing about owning a practice is building my own dream team. In the same token, it's the worst part about owning a practice, building a team that wants to work and wants to be as loyal as you are. And I think once you find those people, there is only joy um, at work and outside of work. So definitely scheduling and building my own team.
0: That's interesting, because I was going to ask you, you know, then what are the challenges? And you said also a dream,
1: building a dream team. Why? You know, I chose this profession because I know it's what I wanted to do for a living. But I find that some parts of the veterinary hospital are just jobs. You know, they're not as veterinary technicians. Most of them, too, are fully devoted and fully compassionate. Um, You know, we're there to work. We're there to stay. Save lives proactively every day, and you know, maybe some other parts of the hospital are not. So, until we can, you know, deliver that to them why we're here, send them our message, and get them engaged and, and part of our team, it's, it's challenging to find that right person.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you do to hold on to them? Because I imagine
1: once you attract them, it's like, oh, I want to make sure she, they stay. Exactly. Yeah. And I struggled with that for a long time because of course I'm a younger um, practicing veterinarian and a lot of my technicians were around the same age or a little younger than me. And I thought I had to be friends with everybody. And then when we would build relationships, it ended up more friendly and then maybe I'd lose some of that respect. Um, So, But I do know that investing in them is how you keep them. Um, You know, clients are first, but employees are also up there in in the number one spots. Because if we have small conversations, hey, what'd you do this weekend? You know, I heard you had an argument with your boyfriend or whatever it may be. They know you care and then they'll care just as much about what you care about.
0: And one of the things you mentioned, which I find... um you know, fascinating is, is talking about respect and you are a younger veterinarian. And is there anything that you wish somebody had told you before you became a practice owner? Like, it's like,
1: oh, hindsight is twenty twenty. What, what would that be? Yeah, there is definitely some things that I hope I can share with everyone listening. 20% of your clients will bring in 80% of Your revenue. So, you know, you, and especially going through vet school and always having to be perfect and get straight A's and, you know, always proving something to someone else, you can't make everyone happy. But if you have those clients who trust you and know that you're confident in the decisions you make, they will continue to come back. Those are the ones that are likely to refer other people. So if you can, you know, find those devoted people and serve them right, um, you'll get somewhere.
0: You said, you know, you can't make everyone happy. And I imagine as we were just talking about with your staff too, you can't make everyone happy. And, and, you know, you were talking about those relationships that you build. How does that all work with, again, you are the boss, but you have close relationships. How do you make that happen?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a juggle every day. Um, I sort of live by my own um, saying, um, be better, not perfect. Um, So each day, as long as each day is better than the one before, um, we're getting somewhere. You know, we can't be perfect every day. We can't please everyone every day. Um, You know, if if those days are really bad, I find the best thing is just communication. Actively listen to somebody, hear their concerns, um, communicate with them, empathize with them. And usually that will iron it out.
0: You know, talking about, I love that when you said be better, not perfect. Is there any time where it's a perfect time to own a practice or is it like, you know, in terms of talking to an early career veterinarian, like if they were starting to think about owning a practice, would you say
1: this is the time you should do it or this is the time you should do it at different junctures of your life? I can only tell you how it worked for me. And I I do know that my spouse is very, very supportive. I think that for anyone that wants to own a practice and does want to be married one day, you need to focus on your marriage or your support system first. Enjoy married life because if you dive right into practice ownership you miss all those good honeymoon moments. So what I did um, once I did open because I did work for somebody for a year out of school just to get my feet wet and understand the profession and, and things like that I was married at the time and it took me about um, a year to move on on my own but it took me about three years um, you know of enjoying married life and spending time together talking about finances talking about the future I think if you want to own a practice I think you need to build your support staff first and make sure through the tough times you have someone there to fall on because certainly every day is not easy, you know, um, you know, bringing in the revenue and of course supporting your staff and making sure that um, all of the overhead is taken care of.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable and fulfilling, but at the same time, that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a lot to unpack here because on top of being a practice owner you're also in the midst of completing your certification for veterinary practice management, and that's going to come in about 2020, I think you had said. Yep. How did you decide to go down that path?
1: And you currently do have a hospital manager, right? I do, yeah. And we we, we took the schooling together. Um, it was a two-year program. We took it accelerated, which I would not recommend to anybody, um, because I thought, <laughs> you know, as I do every day, you know, I think big, big picture, and Going back to school was difficult for me. It was online. Uh, Most of my schooling was structured in the classroom. It was hard for me to structure my own time for schooling. And I did get through it, you know, priorities, time management, very important. But in veterinary school, we don't learn anything really about management at all. And some people say to me, well, why did you wait almost 10 years to learn something about managing? Because I want bigger I want better every day and I would like to hire an associate. And I think before I do that, I need to know something about practice management. I was also, um, which we did achieve, I was striving for AHA accreditation of our hospital. And that helped me a lot with learning budgeting and um, learning inventory control and things like that. So the CVPM um, does require um, examination, and I'll be sitting for that in 2020. So um, studying is difficult, challenging with life in general, but um, that'll be my next goal.
0: How cool. Mm-hmm. That is so fantastic. This is incredible. Cause now we have to talk about the Pennsylvania, uh, veterinary medical association, you know, president elect. I'm, I'm talking to. And now we're going to like keep adding on to the sun, the ice cream sundae in terms of toppings. It's like, how in the world did you get involved with that?
1: Yeah. PVMA. I was involved as a student. I was involved before that, you know, as a technician. They're great people. Um, You know, those are the people who love what I love and share all of the same struggles I have. Um, And through the PVMA, shining as a leader makes everyone want to follow me, makes everyone want to, you know, follow in my footsteps. Um, But veterinarians are awesome people. If you talk about our profession to anybody, we are held, you know, at like no other profession. People look up to us. And PVMA allows me to network and find great people, really the bottom line is realize that I'm not alone in this journey.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right, Kate, hold on though.
0: There comes a point in everyone's life, maybe more than once, where you've joined an organization, say as a student, or you're a member. There's two ways you can go. One is like, okay, I'm going to be active. I'm going to be vice president. And then I'm going to run for president. You know, here I go. And then there's the second way, which is like, Nah, you know, I'll let someone else do that. I'm cool where I am. I mean, you were talking about networking and the friendships,
1: but is that what really drove you To become president-elect? Many people have many different mentors in life. You know, I have a mentor for veterinary medicine. I have a, you know, mentor for my motherhood, you know, things like that. And I thought, you know, it sounds like something I can do. It wasn't going to take up a whole lot of my time and I enjoy doing it. Um, So that was kind of how I ended up where I am. I get to meet a lot of successful veterinary technicians through PBMA as well. And I hope that as I run through office, I can show the rest of the veterinary world how important they are to us.
0: And so would you say, say to an early career veterinarian, you know, it's key to be involved with organized veterinary medicine because of the mentorship, because of the relationships. Is that what you would, your message would be to them?
1: Membership is, is more about the people you meet and the people that can maybe help you at some point in your career, and then you can turn around and, and then help somebody else.
0: How are you balancing all of this? You talked about your supportive husband, but let's let's explore that more because there is a lot going on
1: here. How do you do it all? I do it because, and this is going to sound funny, because with all the things that I do, where do I have time for anything else? I do it because I take care of myself. Um, I've learned fairly on in motherhood and as a wife and in my career that if I don't take care of myself, I can't be 100% for anybody else. Um, so I sleep. I exercise. I pray. I've learned to say no. I know what makes me happy. And I'm disconnected from social media um, in a, on a personal level. Um, professionally, of course, I have to because that's how we run our business sometimes. But there are things I do um, that are for me. Um, and that keeps me going.
0: Well, it's funny you say that you sleep because my question was going to be, what, at like 3 a.m. you're doing self-care stuff? It's like, so you're actually getting sleep, you're exercising, you're praying, you are obviously taking care of three children, three young children. Is it at all
1: stressful? Yeah. Yeah, it's stressful. I look at stress a different way than most of the world, I think, because stress gives you this feeling and this burst of adrenaline. And of course it's because you're supposed to do something with it. So, um, when you feel that you certainly should handle the moment, but then you need to know what will help take that stress away. Um, and it took me a long time to realize what makes me happy and what takes my stress away because I didn't truly really know what it was that was stressing me out. So when you Discover that, you know, of course, avoid it if you can. If you can't, then to help take that stress away, find out what it is that makes you happy. I like to run and almost in a force gump sort of way. That's how I make myself happy. When I'm done running, you know, shower, you calm down, your thoughts are gone from your head. Usually I do that before bed because. There's a lot of good thoughts that come with running and then I can sleep peacefully. That's how I do it. I I know I make it sound very easy and like, of course, we're supposed to sleep and eat and exercise, but that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And certainly prioritizing and and saying no are very important as well.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head when you said saying no too, which I think is very hard Mm -hmm. for veterinarians. And I think it's hard for women too, especially.
1: Mm-hmm. We want yeah you
0: know and and I think that's a key component to starting your career is being able to do that yeah with with confidence, yeah, you know, if you were giving advice to a new veterinarian, not necessarily professional advice, but what sort of things would you? Say that they that
1: they needed to do. I do think that you need to find what makes you happy. Finding what makes you happy is certainly a key to success.
0: As you said, true happiness or joy that really fuels you to be the best you can be. Mm -hmm. It really sounds like that. Talking about you know, as we as we talk about being the best that you can be, I understand also that you were part of PBMA's first Power of Ten Leadership Academy. So let's mm-hmm. add that on to the ice cream sundae. Like,
1: whoa, how did you get involved with that? That was a, a very awesome experience and probably what helped me join the executive board at PVMA. I made so many friends there. I've um, worked very closely with three or four of them. I've employed a few of them. You know, I helped one of the men there get um, to open his own practice. So Again, making those relationships and realizing that these people went through the same things that I did, we've all had hardships, we've all had joy, um, and having conversations with those people really bring me back down to know that you're you're all in the same boat. We're all here for the same thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And you said it was an awesome experience. Now you're describing the relationships and how you were able to help so many people. Was there anything, and that's rewarding in itself, Now it's a leadership, a power. Now it's a power of ten leadership academy. So, were you able to also gain leadership skills in it as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We we learned a lot about personality types. Um, I felt like that helped me in my own business because you have to adapt um, every day and to every person. Um, so I learned how to change myself in a good way to handle some um, challenging staffing issues. Um, we we learned our why. We learned part of exactly what we were talking about with happiness. You know, um, something keeps us doing what we do. Um, why did we do this? Why did we do that? So, you know, we talked a lot about that. So it builds you, um, you know, there's circles of vulnerability where you share stories with others that you probably would have never shared with people before. And being vulnerable um in those moments um opens up a whole nother pathway of allowing yourself to to build relationships with others and um, teach others from what you've lost. Um, so there was a lot of of really really good leadership moments and just um, well being moments at at P ten. I would if there's any other state organizations that don't do Power of Ten, I really think that they should find a way for it to be funded and and really motivate young veterinarians in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And you said it helped you learn. How to change yourself? You said to handle challenging, say staff or clients. I
1: wanna, I wanna talk about that further. When you say changing yourself, what do you mean by that? So, of course, you know, say there was something in a, in a, in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, of course we all just want to yell and and get angry, and oftentimes maybe we have to, but there's there's usually something, um, some way we can empathize, um, you know, and bring emotions down to the same level in both. Um, people that are communicating. Um, and then, you know, we talk it out, like I had mentioned before, a little bit of commu- communication goes a long way. And sometimes it's not even verbal, it could just be, you know, the the cues we get from each other. Um, but not changing in a way that today I'm going to be this type of person and tomorrow I'm going to be something different. Um, But, you know, empathizing with somebody, realizing where they're coming from, because your point of view might be something totally different and then finding a solution, which is great, not only with clients, but with team members, with my husband, with my children. I mean, it it goes a long way.
0: I was going to say, it sounds like it's, it's a skill that can be applied not only to our, to your professional world, but your husband and your kids. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that your you know your kids you have a five year old and then twins, right? Right. Who are three? Yep. And do you feel that um doing all these things is um, helping you be a good role model
1: for them? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and they teach me a lot too. They teach me patients, you know, that I can use at work, you know, okay, let's think about this. Let's talk it out. Cause certainly three-year-olds don't really rationalize about anything. So I think, (laughs) um, you know, people talk about work-life balance, really there's no balance at all. You learn um, work things that you can benefit by using at home and you learn home things that you can benefit by using at work. It's really just that satisfaction that you have with both of them. And if you are a little longer at work today, then maybe you should spend a little more time with family tomorrow. So it's more of um, not a balance at all, but just being satisfied with both. Yeah. And it seems almost like a, besides satisfaction and integration,
0: because when we talk about balance, a lot of times I think of a scale where one has to go
1: down for the other one to go up right. and vice versa. right? You're not saying that. No, no. And I'm a Libra for those that, you know, follow astrology. I, I my insides say that everything needs to be balanced. And really that is not the life I live at all. I don't want any new graduate or new veterinarian to think um, that if we have a little here, we need to have the same amount there because that's not it at all you know it's it's prioritizing what it is that makes you run um you know and and taking taking that. there are some people who want to spend more time at work than they do at home, maybe they don't have children, maybe they're not married. My mentor was not, she was not married, she didn't have children, so work was work for her um you know and and that she was okay with that, but when you find out what you're okay with is what you when you prioritize and when you put those beans on the scale, you know, how mm-hmm. much you're going to allow at work, how much you're going to allow at your home and your, your, your life outside of work.
0: And so would you say that prioritizing is happening almost moment to moment, day by day?
1: It's not like, absolutely. it's like, this is always first, this is always second, and this is always third. No, absolutely. There, there are days, certainly my family always comes first and all of my employees' families come first as well. You know, you only live once and work will be there again tomorrow. Um, but there are nights that, you know, my five-year-old, there's a cat maybe hospitalized and he says, mommy, I want to go up there with you. And we just make it fun. You know, we go together, client and patient at that point is first, um, because we need to make sure that cat feels better, but Hey, I take my son along and not that I want him to be a veterinarian. If he does, he can take that path. But certainly, um, you know, it's a way for him to learn as well. So we do, we integrate it. There is nothing balanced or a little bit of this, a little bit of that about it.
0: We've been talking about learning a lot, and I want to talk more about your mentor you got your practice
1: from. What other unique things did you learn from her? I remember when I was in probably high school we had to do a project we had to interview somebody and I remember sitting down with her and I said, "If you were not a veterinarian, what would you have done with your life? And she said, "I'd be a truck driver." and I was kind of blown away by that because of course I thought, well, maybe she would have gotten to human medicine. she's a very intelligent woman. um you know, she went to school like, when she was the only female in the class. I mean, she was in with all men. And I just thought, wow, that was an interesting answer to that question. Why would she say that? And I said, you know, why would you drive truck? And she said, I I think it's a way to maybe travel the world. And I was really intrigued by that because then when I did get into vet school, I wanted her to come. I I got a scholarship because she had written a letter for me. And I wanted her part of that was her to get a trip to Grenada. And I thought she just needs to come. And plus, she would love to travel the world, right? This is what I thought of her because she wanted to be a truck driver. And that would be awesome. Well, she gets on a plane. And she leaves Harrisburg and here in Pennsylvania. And she gets to Grenada. And when I picked her up at the airport, she said, for part of the flight, I think we were just like, still in the air. And ha- she had no clue that, like, when you're looking out the window on an airplane, it always looks the same. You're still moving just as fast. So I thought, wow, she, you know, this might be the first time she's ever traveled. And, you know, I thought that was cute. She, whatever. We we went on with our trip. And um, I said, we need to go to the beach before you leave. Like, part of the reason why we're in the Caribbean is to enjoy the warm water and things like that. She was a little nervous about the beach. And I said, we have to. So we walked down to the beach. And she leaves her sneakers on. And I said, Yvonne, you're going to have to take your sneakers off. She said, no, no, no. I'm going to leave them on. I'm like, you're never going to feel the warm sand in your feet if you don't take your shoes off. So she starts walking with her sneakers because very stubborn and confident, just as most veterinarians are. <laughs> um, she starts walking. We maybe get like, I don't know, 10 steps. And she said, this is harder than walking in snow. I realize in that because I thought so highly of her. Again, we are all we are all the same, you know. We are all just here to enjoy life each and every day. And what we get exposed to is certainly going to make us grow. But she was just a great person, and you know, the, the things she taught me were were outside of veterinary medicine. were just very little things about life, you know. And and she was great. And like I said, bittersweet because I had thought I'd come home and she would ride horses into the sunset into her retirement, and that wasn't it, you know. And and that's when I learned that. Life is what it is. You know, we are dealt this hand of cards and this is what we play and we can only make the best of it. We are the only ones who have absolutely 100% control of ourselves. Kate, I can tell she was very special to you. She was. She was. And I remember her every day and and clients do as well. So she's always a part of each and every day. So
0: as a new grad or even a veterinary student, what are some of the ways to find a mentor?
1: Yeah, I mean, PVMA is there for you. Um, There are a lot of people who are familiar mentoring and can pick you up and put you under the wing. But I I think it's, it's a relationship that's made. A random relationship. You just need someone to turn to when there's questions. Now, in the world of digital social media and things, you can find probably veterinary advice and and mentorship even online. But I think what's most important is to find somebody other than your spouse and your children and your parents to turn to if you have to. Um, And you can find those people anywhere.
0: Well, you're not doing bad by all means. You got AHA accredited, right, in 2018? Yes, yep.
1: Just a fresh, fresh accreditation. That's huge. Yes. That is
0: incredible. Yeah. So definitely congratulations on that. I mean you. that's
1: a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, it was grueling. One of one of the top most stressful days of my life. I I won't um I won't forget it. But again, my technicians, um, you know, I have three certified technicians and they work just as hard. They want to follow standards of care just as much as I do. So um, when we all have the same goal in mind, um, the, the, the standards themselves were very easy. It was the judgment of how we do them. Right. Because, of course, we think we do everything right. Um, and then someone to come in to say, well, maybe you should do this a little differently. Like oh, they're going to change how we do it. You know, so we were very proud of that. There, there is no other word but proud. We we deserved it and we worked hard for it.
0: And how has your career been affected or not being a woman
1: in terms of all the things you've accomplished? You know, I had wrote a, a, an article for PVMA a few years back about um, work-life balance and, you know, women in the profession and how we kind of have taken over. I think women do multitask better. Um, I think they're just made to, to do that. Certainly veterinary medicine now is a lot, has a lot of companion animal side to it. Whereas many, many years ago, maybe um, veterinarians were just for production and things like that. So I think compassion has a lot to do with it too. And I think that women are just driven to be more compassionate, but I don't think it has hindered um, me in any way. You know, I'm just as confident as my male counterparts. And I know that they have the same struggles because, You know, they don't want to be at work all night either. You know, they want to be home with their family. They want to be supporting their wives and things like that. So I don't know that males and females have any different battles. Um, You know, I think we all just handle it a little differently. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have an experience of being judged because you were a woman? I did. Um, I did. And it was it was primarily as a large animal vet. So I would do most of my uh, when I graduated, I would do most of my day in the hospital doing small animal medicine. And then I did large animal emergency uh, at night. And you know, when you're, I guess, how old was I then? 26, 27, show up at the farm in the middle of the night. And you know, these farmers are tough guys, and they do not want like a 20 year old female. Um, and I would just say to them, I said, if I, you know, if I don't, if I can't do it, we'll call Dr. Temple, right. Dr. Temple was golden. He was the old, um, the older male practitioner and he was the owner of the practice. So, but then when I proved to them, um, that what I was there to do, I knew the medicine, I knew what we needed to do. We got it done. Um, they would ask for me to come back, which was great because I, 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 I proved it. You know, I proved that I could do just what the males can do, but it was it was challenging, especially with farmers. They did not want to see a woman on the farm. And I know that has changed now. You know, 10 years later, females are taking over large animal side of medicine as well.
0: But it sounds like if if you were to run into a situation like that, that it's either prove yourself, you know the medicine, you know what? You're a vet. You can do it just as well as some uh, as a male and you just do it. It sounds like you just do it. Yeah. yeah,
1: And that's how you move forward. You don't take it. Yeah. And you're really you're there for the animal anyway. Get the man out of your head and go fix the animal. Right. Because even in small animal medicine, you know, there are times where the person may be so rude or angry or arrogant, whatever it may be. And you think to yourself, you know what? I'm not. It's not really for them. It's for me. It's for me to fix, you know, to, to diagnose and to treat and and to. Prove that you you did it. So whether it's small or large animal, yeah, just you get the job done. You prove yourself, and you're confident about it.
0: Now I imagine most clients are lovely. There's a few that are challenging. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for early career veterinarians in
1: terms of how to handle them? Yeah, don't let them frazzle you. It, it's funny, and what you can do is smile at them, you know, and, and not in kind of an awkward, snarky way. But I understand you're upset, and and just smile and pause. You know, the power of the pause sometimes lets both of you to take a deep breath and, and calm yourselves. You know, once you pause, you let that person get whatever it is on their mind off their chest. Um, you know, oftentimes you can go on with with conversation. So don't get frazzled. Take a deep breath, smile, take a pause and mm-hmm. and move on in your conversation. Excellent advice. So I want to kind of do a
0: full circle here and We've covered many topics, but it just sounds like uh, making sure you have a, an important or supportive network and relationships and taking care of yourself and doing things that make you happy are are the key points to being a successful mom, mother, person, veterinarian. It seems like it. It's for yeah. everything.
1: Anything I I do in life is as we had said earlier. It's not specifically for work. It's not specifically for, um, you know, home. It's it's um it's integration of all of those and to know what what keeps you happy and keeps you going. Awesome. Well, it was a
0: pleasure to talk to you. you. We, I feel like I've learned so much. <laughs> Thank this you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit VetVance at www.VetVance.com and check out Zoetta's Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information about life issues such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, and reputation management. VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat We'd love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, this is Scrub Chat.